0: ESPN Kansas City presents Golf Underground with Kevin Ward and Brian Sullivan.
1: Hey, welcome to Golf Underground on ESPN Radio. We are still down in Austin, Texas having a great time. Of course, we came down to go to the, uh, how do we say this, the WGC uh, Dell Dell Technology Invitational Match Play Extravaganza? Championship. Championship. Okay, good. Well, so so we're here, but you know, we took a little hiatus to come over to Barton Creek, and uh, we're with uh, we're we're in the
2: golf academy. So why don't you take it away, there, Wardo? Yeah, we have Breck Bradley as our guest today, uh, director of instruction here at Barton Creek. Been a longtime friend of mine, outstanding uh, instructor. Thanks for coming on the show, Breck.
3: Wardo, thanks for having me. Glad I'm on. <laughs>
2: been been too long. Oh. Before we get any further, I'm going to dive in on Breck and kind of some of the accolades that he's had. Um, In 2015, he was uh, ranked uh, or rated South Texas PGA's Teacher of the Year. Um, He is also a top 25 elite junior player, or elite junior instructor. Um, Breck has got several accolades. He's worked with uh, tour pros, the likes of Tom Kite, um, as well as he studied... For years under the likes of Chuck Cook, who we will also have on this show at some point, so thanks for coming on the show, Breck.
3: Thanks for having me. Uh, let's talk a little golf. What do you want to talk about?
2: Well, we want to talk a little bit about your upbringing and how you've uh, how you've come up, come arrived here, and so give us a little background into your life and your career.
3: Okay, so I got out of school, Abilene Christian, in 1994, and like many players, I. would been competitive my whole life up through college and and decided that I was ready for a change. And being that I uh, got a degree in basket weaving in college, I couldn't do much other than think about going into, into uh, teaching golf. So that's what I did. Now I was a communications major and I I was a swing kind of geek in college, and it probably hurt me a little bit. But I decided when I got out, I wanted to teach a little golf and take a break from playing. And so I went to Dallas, got in a big driving range. There was nine teachers. You had some Haney folks. Natural golf was really popular. That was uh, the single single axis system. We had uh, some John Jacobs guys. So I was cutting my teeth with all these different teachers, all these different ideas, and I did that for five years. And then I took a little break for two years, tried to play, and then I got back into teaching in 2000. So I've been doing it ever since.
2: So talk to me a little bit about your playing career. Obviously, you played with the likes of Jeev Singh, who's an amazing amazing golf swing, great player that's played on tour for years. Tell us some stories centered around Jeev.
3: When you say amazing golf swing, do you mean amazingly good? Amazingly unique. (laughs) It's amazingly unique. So Jeev is, yeah, he came, what's interesting is he came to Abilene Christian with a big old Ram staff bag. He'd never carried his own bag in his life. he He had a caddy back in India for like a dollar a day, that would shag his balls, and so he came with these golden ram blade irons with like a dime size right in the middle, and uh, so he was a pure He'd ball shag striker. His, shag his balls. Yeah, yeah, he would they would they would shag his balls and run and go get them uh, for a dollar a day. For a dollar a day. How much to shampoo his balls? <laughs> shampoo.
1: That's two bucks. <laughs> yeah. You throw the kid a fin for that one.
3: <laughs> so so he came over here. Uh, yeah, and his golf swing, he, he had the most uh, laid off, wide open club face at the top. I mean, it would, yeah, as a teacher, it, it's about 125 golf swing if, if an amateur had that golf swing. But he would do some incredible things uh, to compensate coming down and was right on plane and, and really, really hit it well. And he had a goofy putting stroke, goofy chipping motion. Wasn't
2: he a real
4: good putter?
3: He was a good putter. He, he was kind of hit and miss with the putter, but he, he could make some putts. He had this kind of loopy chop stroke but uh putting? good putter
1: when he was putting he was loopy and choppy yeah
3: he had a kind of a drop took it outside and kind of popped the ball i mean every, everything really? was a little unique yeah
2: Sully, you kind of your stroke resembles that now that you have the eye patch going i mean you it's kind of nah, up no, and out in no, a way no
1: i think with the eye patch it's um it's allowed me to um, really? take the loop out of my i mean i used to have a jim Furyk style putting um but, but with the eye patch, I'm more focused now. You know, you, you're gifted. You've got eye privilege. Yeah. And, and,
2: <laughs> right? And so you have just stopped talking. Okay? So, so back in the day when, when you were caddying, were you a dollar-a-day guy to shag the balls for... Well,
1: see, back at the uh, Country Club of Waterbury, an old Donald Ross course, another Donald Ross reference, 1899. Uh, in fact, um, another great caddy, uh, Joe LaCava, uh, Tiger's caddy, is, is, is there. Um, so a lot of great caddies have come through the Country Club of Waterbury. I would make twelve dollars a bag. Now um, I would carry a bag on each shoulder, and so I would often say, "This was back in the eighties. The bags were very big. I would be six foot three if I didn't carry the bags <laughs> that I was carrying at the time." Right? And so, um, I, and then listen to, Well, when you threw Mad Dog Twenty Twenty bottles in the back of the uh, the bags too, it added some weight.
2: Um, but, but you know,
1: I've come a long way myself.
2: I love it. I love awesome. it. I'm glad you're such a great, great caddy. I mean, you've yeah. really given back to the game and here you are giving back again. You, well, if I can change
1: one person's life in this game, then then it's all been worth it Borda.
2: Okay, so we're sitting here in the Barton Creek Golf Academy. Breck, tell us a little bit about um, studying with and working with Chuck Cook and kind of the second half of your career. You've been here 17 years now and you, you do have 16-year-old uh, twin or quadruplet girls, so... Praise to you for getting through life and keeping golf, making golf keep you sane.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough hours in the day for me to teach. I'm trying to build lice out here, but Omni won't let me do that yet. But uh, no, in, in, I, so I got back into Austin, started teaching, and got hooked up with Chuck. Was fortunate. Chuck Cook's a, a top five teacher in the nation and worked with Tom Kite, Payne Stewart, Corey Pavin, and, and the list goes on, Jason Duffner. And so it was around him in 2002 that I started and, he really kind of deepened my knowledge of the golf swing and, and the short game and, and really understood how to uh, take certain elements of the swing, especially with better players, and how to manage it. He was really good understanding the, what lag does in the golf swing and still is and, and how to zero out lag. And now with TrackMan and, and all the launch monitors, we see what all these numbers are. But I can tell you, he was he was on top of a lot of that, understanding the D-plane, even though it wasn't called the D-plane, and how how uh, you couldn't lag it down the line, which a lot of a lot of good players do. You wouldn't know about that Wardo, though, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I would, actually. <laughs> no, okay. Well, anyway, so it's been, it's, well. <laughs> we, did you see his
1: We reaction? We overdid it. Yeah. I mean, you impacted him with that little I know. Uh, right? That was just you a know? small job. More he, to he's,
3: <laughs> he, he's grinding, though. I'll tell you what, Wardo is an unbelievable talent, and he, he I have no doubt, this guy. Watch out! He, he, if he didn't get out there sooner, I guarantee you, when he's fifty, he's going to be chasing those boys.
2: Well,
1: <laughs> so did you hear,
3: shape. Did you hear when he was
2: talking about lag, Silly? I think I thought directly to your golf swing in the poof. I've never heard of a phrase. We might be able to help you zero out the poof. How? The flip. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a Well, well how, how what does you it have to do with lag? Well, you have none of it.
4: <laughs> which you, have less than Would no
1: you all right, listen for the um, for the maybe the fifteen plus handicappers listening to the show right now, because it's not all just studs like you, okay? <laughs> um, uh, describe the term um, lag. what What are you referring to?
3: Well, I think lag in its true form is a sequence uh, from the ground up in the downswing. So when you look at lag, lag is all these lagging components and as you start transition the lower body starts, the upper body lags behind it, then the upper body kicks in speed, the arms kind of lag behind it and create pressure against the chest, and then the arms fire off the chest, and the hands are lagging, and so you're creating this, this angle, this what we call distal angle of left arm to shaft that so many people call lag, but lag really in its true form is is the unwinding of the sequence and then you've got to then you've got to release lag well so a lot of people have lag you do that really well you really release lag well you know, <laughs> hey, how much <laughs> of that do you
1: understand Kelly? no no listen remember what i told you yesterday in my iphone in the little note section yeah. after i play a good round of golf which is it's not often right um i'll put a little note do this and then before i hit the first t and the next time i try to focus on one or two things. Remember I pulled up yesterday and it said, you just shot a 74, which is really nice for me, and you did it because all you thought of was a baseball load. Now as you're here, as I'm hearing you talk about a lag, right, what I was doing on that day was thinking of nothing more than starting with the hips, and I think my swing speed probably improved, but I think it was a lag, which you were describing, as opposed to my standard shoulder turn, no power, right, everything... Sort of handsy and army, right? Yeah. right? And I think that load in the hips helped me not only hit the driver, but I started hitting the irons better. Now, redoing that, capturing it on the day two and day three it is more difficult, but I think fitness comes into that too.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, so give us your sense before we go to break, a little bit about how, how you have and your teaching blended the fitness component together with the instructional side over the last several years
3: right so we've got a, I've got a I've got a guy Jonathan Fleming on staff he's my director of fitness and he's TPI everything and and so we have him go through an assessment with our players and the, you know the typical uh a TPI assessment and we create you know the, the baselines for them and then we create a program for them there's a bunch of good groups in Austin trained for the game that I've sent players to so as you know, Wardell, I think, I think we, as instructors, we want the player to try to do something to make a motion. And uh, in, in many and in most cases, it's just hard to do it if the body's not ready to be there. And that's part of teaching. I mean, one thing I learned a long time ago is, is that if you ask most teachers, they have a model. But 95% of the time, they deviate. The teachers that say they don't have a model, I don't have one model. I have multiple models. But the point is is that there's things that have to fit together and you're always having to navigate that around what somebody's body can do so the more the body can get prepared the easier the game is i like
2: it i like it well we're going to take a quick break and uh when we come back we're going to dive in a little bit more on the instructional side and just kind of the overall relationship on how you take whether it's a 20 down to a 15 handicap or you take the three that's just dying 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 to get down to a scratch so when we come back Sola, you want to take us to break You know, I'd like to do this, but I'm still a little upset
1: of some of the jabs you took at me. But I'm going to get over it because you listen to Golf Underground on ESPN Radio. Hey, Brian Sullivan here, and I've got a tip for you. You've got to head to Unforked. It's an amazing restaurant. What I like about these guys is they promise to buy and support seasonal local ingredients first. And I love the fact that they source from smaller family GAP certified or organic farms, prime-going regions, artists and producers, all I'm getting at is, if you like fresh stuff, Unforked is the place to be. And like they say it, fork or no fork, you can be sure you're getting the highest quality, socially responsible ingredients possible. And not to mention, it's delicious. So whether you're out south or downtown, stop by Unforked for a delicious and healthy meal. Sheridan's Unforked, honest, clean food. Hi, this is Brian Sullivan, co-host of Golf Underground on ESPN Kansas City. Hey, when I'm not bringing my fantastic double-digit handicap to the course, my company, Precise Selling, works with companies to create sales champions. Hey, the best golfers get to the top by having a swing process and a game plan from the time they step on the first tee to the time they finish their putt on 18. Now, at Precise Selling, we teach salespeople how to prepare for each sales call. We give them a process to steal customers from their biggest competitor, sell more to current customers, and negotiate like a pro. So come see me at PreciseSelling.com to learn how we can help turn your team into a team of top sales performers. Dismal River Club is a five-star private golf and
5: hunting club located in the sandhills of western Nebraska. 36 holes of championship golf including a Tom Doak design and a Jack Nicklaus design, a private runway, luxury cabins, and incredible meals prepared by their executive chef make Dismal River Club one of the nation's most unique and sought-after golf and outdoor experiences. There is truly something for everyone. Visit DismalRiver.com to get more information about the new spa activities, family activities, membership opportunities, and corporate retreat packages.
1: Welcome back, ESPN Radio, Golf Underground. We're having a great time on our road trip, our 10-hour road trip. Jordo, we got Jordo on the left looking across me with a big cheesy smile on his face. It's Kevin. To my right, my man Breck. Right? Finally a nice guy. He's a great Just guy. We're going to do beers son.
0: with Breck, but it's too
4: early in the day for that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to come back. I don't know if it's late. We're in fact, you may,
1: maybe uh, we take another short commercial break and... Uh, and maybe have a, you got a fella here, maybe bring up a little, uh, little six-pack
3: old style or something? I would love to, but I got to get back on the lesson to <laughs> ah, So No, we're getting
2: the lesson to you in the next segment. But before we dive into the, uh, the bag nine brought to you by Cal Insurance Solutions, we were talking over breaks from Jeeves Singh stories. So fill us in on that story. We had to cut right back in. So
3: fill us in on the Jeeves Singh story from college. I think the story you're talking about is when, uh, you know, Jeeve never really ate beef when he came to school. Uh, kind of a, you know, a thing over there. And, and uh, although, although, you know, many Indians do, but he just didn't do that. And so he would eat chicken, chicken breakfast, chicken lunch, chicken dinner. But uh, one day we were having a kind of a cookout beer thing in, in our dorm, and or actually our off-campus dorm, and uh, we were cooking some uh, beef hot dogs, and he thought they were pork hot dogs, Uh-oh. but we knew they were beef. <laughs> oh, and uh, no. so anyway, long story short, he ended up eating it. He might be the biggest steak eater I know now, because after that one hot dog, he fell in love with beef. In fact, I used to go out to the Justin Timberlake when he played in that in Vegas. And uh, he would, we would go to Wolfgang Puck's place, and he would order this uh, $25 an ounce uh, Kobe steak for both of us. Because uh, he, he had a credit there, because he, he was a high roller. And, uh, and he would order it well done, and the, and the waiter would look at him going, my gosh, you're ordering a $180 steak and you're getting it well, well done. <laughs> but uh, that Kobe beef was actually pretty good, so you couldn't mess it up. So, yeah, that was pretty funny anyway. He's a big steak eater now, but never ate beef until. So, we
2: can thank you for all that.
3: <laughs> well, you. We, we, you know, it was a team. Just, it was a team thing.
4: You, you couldn't survive too many years in Texas without <laughs> eating beef before you just had to leave, right? Yeah, he
3: had to do that.
1: No, I think that's a great story, but you ruined his soul uh and, well and so does that, ever, <laughs> does that ever, i mean i know you changed golf swings but i mean you just took kept a guy out of heaven well
3: Never you know being, being from texas i think that is part of the soul you know it is part of the soul
6: <laughs>
4: You're right, well, well i think playing good golf has a lot to do with moral degeneracy and so getting him off the straight and narrow probably helped him achieve professional golf games that he probably would have otherwise missed
1: it's true well if you don't sin you can't repent right. Boy, we're getting really deep now, aren't we? We are getting deep. All right, so let's get back to golf. So, oh, come so, on, Chuck, do we have
2: to? so Chuck, so Chuck, or Breck, you're you're studying under Chuck. You've worked with him for, for several years. Um, tell us what makes him such a great instructor, and what lessons have you
3: learned that you've brought into your own teaching? So I think Chuck, besides been teaching for a long time, and he had the opportunity to be around when he was when he was going through his tutelage. Um, a lot of great, great teachers from the day. That uh, he really understands uh, a lot of matchups and, and patterns. And that's like a new in vogue word uh, word in the in the teaching world in the last five to ten years is matchup. But he was really he's always been pretty good at understanding how things fit together in components. And so he wrote a book even back in the day called Balanced Golf. We
2: read it on the way down here. actually. Did you? Yeah, I made Jordan read it. So I got lost very very fast.
3: Okay. <laughs> so, well, there you go. So he's very good at he's very good at cause effect. <laughs> Corey got he got lost. But I think Chuck has the ability to take a player and and it's a timing thing and I he helped me learn this a long time ago, is is that it's not a matter of what you know, it's a matter of how do you say it, when do you say it. Timing periodization of how you say it is a, is an important thing. As a coach. As yeah, the as a coach. I mean a lot of times you're not trying to fix somebody right away if they gotta go playing something, you're trying to tweak it. Or it's kind of like, are you gonna, are you overcoaching or are you undercoaching? A lot of people fall under one category or the other. Like they just spit out everything they know. Especially a lot of, a lot of teachers that are up and coming, new. You, you learn a lot. And yeah. You want to go tell everybody everything you know. And then undercoaching would be, well, you might just not know enough, and you're just kind of teaching, or you're kind of scared to go there because you don't want to screw them up. So there's a fine art there of going. When does somebody need this, and when am I going to tell them to do this? And I think Chuck has been very good at doing that.
2: So do you find yourself over-coaching more often than undercoaching?
3: I think when I started out, I was over-coaching. I think now I'm trying to be a better blend of that. Certainly for the better player, uh, especially that's in competitive season, I think if you had to err, you're erred towards undercoaching a little bit as yeah. long as you're making sure you're not – slapping them with, with some kind of BS Kool-Aid Band-Aid. I never want to do that, but there's some things in a golf swing that you just have to leave alone at the ball flight. I mean, at the end of the day, ball flight is, is the best teacher. So if the ball flight's pretty good, you kind of let that roll into a tournament and then you tighten it up maybe after the tournament. So it's all it's all the art of that. So, uh, you know, I think that's what he's been very good at.
4: Wardo and I talk about that quite a bit because I'm a less is more kind of guy. Yeah. And, and when I got lost in Chuck's book, it was almost as if I felt like I was reading a book intended for an instructor and it was information overload for me and really my brain when I'm trying to pull back a club I can't handle all that information so when you talk about uh, teaching as far as less is more on what you tell a player right I think I would fall into that camp and I I would say you probably would want more information
2: you would want to know all the how and why and yeah, but uh, kind of I mean, I've spent fifteen years with this guy. Well, he's, you're a, an mad, instructor, he's a mad too. scientist. <laughs> but but I think I think back to kinda of Chuck and why he wrote the book, I think kinda of like Sully is kind of the man of the people in Kansas City, Chuck is kind of the man of the instructors, right? So a lot of the instructors globally go to Chuck um for advice or bouncing ideas and whatnot. Is he the most famous instructor in the world? No, but um, you know, he didn't take his, his time to go brand himself for the average fan. He took his, his time to go brand himself for the Breck Sp- Spradley's of the yeah. world. Yes, yeah. yeah, sure. yeah, that is hey, true.
1: Hey, w- w- when uh, a pro reaches out to Chuck, or even you, yeah. they've got their day-to-day coach. Um, is it weird that there's, I mean, do you feel like you're, you're like the, the mistress like how do, you manage, <laughs> how do you manage that relationship, right? I, yeah. I mean, there that and for the player, that's got to yeah. be sort of a goofy thing. That hey, I'm going to prep, but yeah. it, it's not. A, I, I, I'm not leaving you. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, do, you, do you run into that? Yeah, you know? I do.
3: I mean, I, I, so you know, me running and owning an academy and being here all day every day. We have I teach a ton of juniors and college players and, and a bunch of mini tour players. But but the, the tour players a different deal. I I haven't I've got four kids, so I I haven't chased that that arena you got to really dive into that you got to be gone a lot and and when the girls get out of school I'm I might you know I want to do a little bit of that but it's not where I am so Chuck is having to deal with that a little bit more and Chuck will tell you I mean you got to have thick thick skin out there I mean he's he's had a few uh you know players under his stable in the last few years leave and he felt like it was partially his fault teachers feel that way and so out there on the tour, I mean, if, if a player's right next to another player and their coach is helping them and they're struggling, they're coaching around and all of a sudden he tries something that player that, that coach says and that player's doing and he's and he and he stripes one, it's like, Well, I, I'm gonna talk to this guy for a minute. I mean I mean it's it's that's a business out there. Right. right that's right. a business. I think there's a lot of loyalty, don't get me wrong, there's yeah. a lot of loyalty out there, but when it comes down to it's your job you got to have thick skin in, in the arena. Of How do you though.
4: handle the theatrics of having to break up with a bad student, Yeah. emotionally abusive, um, <laughs> you know, manipulating you? You know, it, it's dicey stuff, right? A, a bad breakups. Bad. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, it's it's knock on knock on wood. I mean, I'm married to a, a beautiful uh, wife, and and no, oh, I meant no, a I, but, but I know, but I'm kind of throwing the kind of crossover analogy okay. is that uh, I couldn't, it would probably be like a divorce, you know, because it's tough, you're so much invested in that.
4: But well, what, what, when you find out the guy's cheating on you yeah. with the head pro down the street, I mean, you can't take that, <laughs> Bradley's a man of pride. <laughs>
3: I know and it does happen but after after a while you just move on and you stay busy and and um, you know you try to put out a good a good uh, service and product and you know you can't bat a thousand percent I've learned that in this you can't bat it you try I mean everybody every teacher wants to try to bat a thousand percent it's hard to do and it's not necessarily that the information you give somebody's wrong but it just maybe doesn't resonate or you're not saying it the right way so the point is is that uh, when I was younger teaching, it bothered me a lot more than, than it does now. But knock on wood, I've been fortunate that, that I, haven't, I haven't had too many to leave. Do you but, uh, trust I mean, in what? the
4: fact that if a player's deceptive enough to cheat on you, that karma will get him? <laughs> going to start missing putts, missing cuts. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't handle yourself that way. You, you can play good golf. You
3: mean do do coaches want the player to play poorly when they've left them? No no, 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 no. I'm <laughs> just though. saying no. karma's going to no. catch up to him, right? Ah, uh, no. I mean, I, I would, no. I, I, I hear where you're going, but uh, you I, think, I think we try to move Before, up above okay. and beyond that. Did uh, you yeah. not
2: learn anything in our last interview about humility? <laughs> so, I'm just joking. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of speaking great players and you being around him, t- tell us a little bit about what that work ethic of Mr. Tom Kite's like and, and kind of what you've seen in him. You've been around him for years. What's he have? Why did he make it?
3: Through hard work and grit. I mean, I think if you tried to, like, compare he and Crenshaw, uh, they were very different, obviously. But I've spent a lot of time around Tom, and Chuck's worked with him a long time, and I have the opportunity to work with him quite a bit. Uh, When Chuck's been out of town, I would kind of oversee a little bit. But his wedge play, he was always known for it. But I've watched him hit balls. You know, the story is eight hours straight. I mean, it's ridiculous. And and now he's up there in Asia, and he's still he's still going at it. He struggles with the putter, and but um, his wedge game is just unbelievable. It, it the, the way he would flight wedges was by far the most impressive to me. And I learned a lot about the wedge system that from Chuck, and Chuck got a, a lot of that involved with with Tom. And yeah. and so I've got my wedge concepts and distance wedge concepts and a lot of that's come from that relationship between Tom and Chuck. Got it. So what so the junior kid at 16 that comes and sees you, do you
2: struggle work ethic wise getting him to buy into the process and system that Kite's done for and Crenshaw in his own way has done for this many years or
3: well, here's you know because I've worked with a lot of juniors and and everybody you know, sees how, what it, you know, all these players making all this money and they have dreams of playing on the tour. And, and I kind of start like this, especially if somebody new came to me, uh, is let's talk with the parents and say, with the kid there and say, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, 10, you want to be the best player in the world, zero, you don't even want to be out here. Your parents want you out of Fortnite. <laughs> I, then what they'll come up with is this kind of obscure number, okay? And wherever that number is, is let's say they think it's a 7 or an 8 or a 9, or, oh, it's a 10. Then I'm going to lay out what I think it takes to be at that number. And, and then there's some accountability on both ends. But the fact is, is to work like a 10, to work like a Tom Kite, uh, people wouldn't have any idea what that takes until they really, really understand it. Got it. Got it. Yeah.
1: All right. Hey, right, we're going to go to a uh, commercial break when we come back. Let's continue with what we call the Lesson T. Now, we're sitting here in a beautiful, I mean, nice facility here, right? I mean, this is very intimidating for a hack, you know? But um, <laughs> And, you know, I had to, if I didn't have the patch, I'd go out there and I'd start. You got me fired up to start hitting some balls, right? I mean, you got
2: you got track man. You got force plates. You got, plates, track, you yeah. got Listen, you got the guy
1: who just walked up here, he had like a, a boat anchor hanging around his neck. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's some utensils you're using now. This is scary stuff, right? But it's okay because the golf underground is for you hackers and you fantastic golfers. Come on back. You listen to ESPN Radio.
0: Cowell Insurance Services is your leading program administrator for workers' compensation. They're dedicated to meeting the unique challenges of the insurance industry and assisting employers in reducing their costs. CIS has provided insurance claim and loss control services to various industries, including trucking, construction, retail convenience stores, and healthcare, as well as public entities for over 30 years. They work with both retail agents and industry clients, or a combination of the two. If you're tired of fighting the rising costs of premiums and claims, give Cowell Insurance Services a call. Their dedicated staff is ready to find you the best insurance option at the most competitive price. They can help to define or enhance your safety program in order to move you in the right direction in reducing your claim and premium costs. Contact Cowell Insurance Services today, 816-214-4070. Hey,
6: Eduardo, I'm so sick of my handicap rising, and every year I feel like I'm losing yardage. Do you have a solution for me? Of course I do. SwingFit is a goal-focused
2: platform that is fitness-based, centered around getting your golf game better. SwingFit will help you become more biomechanically sound in the gym and on the golf course. From the golf perspective, what you're going to see is a series of movement patterns and drills in order to get you better and help you achieve your goals. You will be introduced to some exercise centered around increasing golf strength and club head speed.
6: The team at SwingFit is TPI certified, which is the gold standard for those tour players you watch on Sundays. If you want to take the next steps to hitting the ball like them, Call 913-269-1300 for more information or go to thegolfstable.com. Are you ready
0: to focus more on your golf game this year instead of enduring the process of building a brand new home? Look no further than BCI Bowen Custom Home. They will help you determine the best opportunity for you and your family given your current situation. Do I do a remodel? Do I build the dream house I've always wanted? Your next home might be waiting for you from the many specs and furnished models they have available in Southern Johnson County. Whether you're located in Shawnee or Leewood, Mike McCown and his award-winning team are interested in helping you determine what may be best for you and your family. Again, if you're looking to spend more time on the links and eliminate the stressors of the building remodel process, call BCI Bowen at 913-444-2369 or on the web at bcibowen.com.
5: Dismal River Club is a five-star private golf and hunting club located in the sandhills of western Nebraska. 36 holes of championship golf, including a Tom Doak design and a Jack Nicklaus design, a private runway, luxury cabins, and incredible meals prepared by their executive chef make Dismal River Club one of the nation's most unique and sought-after golf and outdoor experiences. There is truly something for everyone. Visit DismalRiver.com to get more information about the new spa activities, family activities, membership opportunities, and corporate retreat packages.
1: Hey, welcome back, ESPN Radio, Golf Underground with Wardo, Sully, Giordo, and Breck, my man Breck from Austin. And uh, you know, normally this is the lesson tee, but I think we all determined at, um, at the Beers with Breck here at the break that we are going to do uh, the fashion tee, the fashion tee. Now, um, this has been a big uh, topic with these guys, and I'm only working on my, uh, my golf swing, but um, Jordan particularly has uh, he's criticized the outfits I wear. You know, I I like free golf apparel from from tournaments, and I don't think the style ever really becomes unstylish. Sometimes I break it out, I'll head over to Burlington, formerly known as the Burlington Coat Factory. They got nice pants. And um, they think I need to be buying the outfits from folks like you at a fancy country club, and well, that's just not me. How important is style on the golf course, and does it actually have an impact on your score?
3: Well, first of all, I don't sell clothes, but I'll leave that up to the shops. But I can say that one of the things I do when somebody walks in the door is I'm trying to read the player. Right. So if somebody comes in with their shirt unbuttoned and has a hairy chest and a gold medallion, I'm probably not going to get overly technical with them, but... <laughs> you know, that's profiling. Like, well, that, I, that, I know. Really I'm is, just saying, but p- 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 part of it is you read them, okay? And, the, and if they start talking really techie, then I'm going to go there. But if somebody walks in with their pants starched, uh, maybe a cuff on the bottom, and uh, their their shirt buttoned up, yeah, that might be a little different approach. So I'm not as worried about the type of clothes as I am trying to read the players as far as what they're wearing.
4: When you take it to the golf course you know, look good, play good. Nobody, nobody confidently is going to shoot a low number uh, in cargo shorts. So if you've got a promising young talent who can't get his stuff together, would you send him to the pro shop and say, hey, maybe let these fellas set you up? Um, It's going to pay some dividends on the scorecard. You know, once you've done all you can do with the the physical aspect, you know, the mental
2: side.
3: Yes, I would, yeah. Fashion. Yeah, well, and to that point, I would say, Everything about when you're preparing to go play well, you have to have your equipment clean, equipment that fits you. That's a whole nother story. And you need to dress well. I mean, the, your, yourself, the way you feel about yourself stepping onto that number one tee yeah. has a lot to do with how you're, you're going to play that day. So I do think that dressing for success is important.
4: Well, if I show up to a board meeting in a hoodie and everyone else is in suits, I'm not going to feel real confident, right?
3: That's probably that's probably true. Okay, yeah. so
4: I got a tough one for you. Sorry not to jump in front of you. You're playing, alright? It's a big money game, we're ten holes in, and you're four under par. You're killing it. You find out you missed a belt loop. A, what do you do?
3: A belt loop? Yeah, you missed it. I, I I go I go straight to the nearest tree, unbuckle my belt and put it in.
2: Oh, now, if you do that, you're back to even par. You just you made a double bogey. You just made yeah. two double you can't play with I'll tell, no I'll, I'll, I'll
3: tell you why, because this is part of the mental game. One thing I learned in teaching the mental game is you cannot try to tell yourself you're not thinking of something, all right? So if you said, oh, I know it's there, okay, but I'm just going to pretend it's not because I'm four under, I'm still thinking that I'm going to pretend it's not. So at this point, part of the mental game is you just take acceptance for this could be a choking opportunity or you could be pulling it off. And what I have found in, in working more seriously with, with obviously uh, with, with players that are competitive and more on a serious note here is that you have to accept that, that you are thinking of something and you can't just say it's not in my brain. And then you learn to cope.
4: So like when I was in college, I, this was before we had the T markers that had a little spike in the bottom so I would always use quarters, and I had a thing I would always mark the ball heads up. Would you say that you're better off just embracing that stupid whatever I'm doing mentally instead of just trying to ignore it and pretend I don't? Care
3: that's that's a good. Marks? You know why I think that's a great question is because I was a heads up guy, and putting terribly kept me off the tour. Okay, so. I always marked it heads up because I was I was neurotic like that and I putted like crap. So I've changed my opinion on that. If that if that uh helps. You change your
4: opinion on you, will you mark it either way now? Or or
3: I've changed my opinion on thinking that you should have some neurotic concept of if I mark it heads up I'm gonna putt well. I think you need to I think you need to get out of that mode and get back to the process of what it takes to make a good putt and I'm not saying that people don't get into their little deal and they play well, but I don't think it's a way that you should live your life. Wow. Okay, guys. I guess
4: we would have got something useful out of that fashion tea. No, exactly. No, exactly. Right. so, so are, are you change
2: the topic? No, here? we're right in the middle of the fashion tea, and all of a sudden you guys want to go to golf instruction and, and routines. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so what we're going to do is I, I'm no, going to- I think you just exemplified what we were talking about.
1: It's called neurotic behavior. So we'll <laughs> see how- we went off, and now yeah. you're freaking out over there. So, I mean, you look like i a like so doing do something little,
2: about Mary with the, with the um, Sony Walkman. A little word association. So here we go. I'm going to say the player's name, and you're going to talk about their fashion appearance um, and how they dress. I haven't been kay. watching
3: much golf, but okay. I'll, I'll DeChambeau. Deschambeau. DeChambeau. He is uh, Ben Hogan wannabe. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the Adonis. Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland is the NBA star that has made a killing playing golf. Uh, Sergio Garcia. Sergio Garcia is a run from the Bulls in Spain kind of guy.
1: I got one. Kevin Ward.
3: Kevin Wardo <laughs> is the Slayer. Dragon Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> John Daly. John Daly is the. Arkansas beer drinking barefoot guy.
2: Tom Kite.
3: Tom Kite is the he's the uh, professor at UT that made a lot of money playing golf.
2: Corey
1: Pavin's mustache.
3: Corey Pavin's mustache. Oh, 1970s film.
2: I love that. What kind of film? I don't know. And lastly, Punk'd. and the last tour player I will bring up, or actually a non-tour player, since we're in the heart of Austin, Texas, Matthew McConaughey.
3: Matthew McConaughey. He's the typical Austin. Uh, he, has a, he has the hair on his face. He's eaten out of the food trailers. Seems like a down-to-earth Texas guy to me. Is that,
1: is that legit? You know how they say he doesn't shower much? Uh, I, I, I mean that's you know sort of the austin y hip you know trendy. There is he just sort of a granola crunchy old dude.
3: I, I can't really speak for that. Other than I know he fits into the Austin trendy hip granola type. Who is appearance. hotter,
1: uh, um, him or Josh Duhamel?
3: Oh man, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna, I'm gonna defer to Wardro on that. He's well. <laughs> really
2: guys so no. we're gonna just call them
1: equally hot I guess. Well can I say one? Sure go. Oh, ahead. I'd love them both. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right, so we're having a uh, very serious interview today. We're with Breck Spr- uh, Spr- Spradley. He's great friends with Wardo. Um, he is one of those great golf instructors. He's doing uh, such a, a wonderful things with a lot of the uh, the high school, the college kids here locally. I know we're having a lot of fun but uh, you got to be having an absolute blast doing what you love, and knowing that you're you're making people be really good at at our great game, and 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 what I mean, you're giving people a gift all the time, and so so we're blessed to uh, blessed to have you on the show today. When we come back, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. We've already kind of got you up against the wall a little bit right now, mm-hmm. but we're going to get you to yeah, say I'm things that you regret saying, and. Um, and we promised to still. Are you going to edit this? We're going, we, we might. No, we okay. might no chance. No, no chance. It's, all, that those, it's all going. Those we're okay. just daughters of yours, we'll will, um, will be proud. Of. Okay, <laughs> so come on back here on the Golf <laughs> Underground on ESPN Radio.
0: This is Golf Underground on ESPN Kansas City, 94.5 FM.
2: Golf clubs, a big screen TV to watch the U.S. Open. Or maybe even a new golf cart that I've got my eye on.
6: No matter how you choose to spend the savings, if you're looking to put a dent in your monthly heating and cooling bills, the answer may be right over your head. If your attic isn't insulated properly, you're missing out on a prime opportunity to cut costs. Call the certified energy experts at Star Companies, Inc. 816-353-2160 for a free estimate to learn how they can help you save money. Oh, heck, I'll buy the clubs, put them in my new golf
2: cart, watch the U.S. Open on my big screen. After I play a round of golf.
6: Better give Star Companies, Inc. a call today to start saving big. That's Star Companies, Inc., 816-353-2160, or visit StarCompaniesKC.com.
1: Welcome back. Golf Underground ESPN Radio. Having a wonderful, wonderful time. Jordan on my left, Wardo on my front, Brex Bradley to my right. You're the second nice guy I've been hanging out with today. So it's an honor to be here in your house, the big house. Was the first Josh Duhamel? Duhamel. Duhamel. Today was he my first? No, I've had others. Um, Today. Right. So anyways, let's get back to, to golf Today. Um, all right, so uh, Wardo uh, this is a very fun segment for us. It's the rapid fire. Yeah it's uh, the so rapid fire brought to you by? This is the rapid fire, right? So we're gonna kind of try, try to get you to again, you know, think very quickly, right? Okay. If you, if you end up thinking too much, then um, It's not gonna work. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, not as rapid fun, enough. Okay? Okay. Alright, so uh, would you like to start us off, Wardo, with the rapid
2: fire emergency nine on the golf underground? Brought to you by Sheridan's Unforked. Eating good and feeling good. First question out of the gates. Will Tiger Woods beat Jack Nicholas's record? No. No. White
4: belts. Are they done, or they still got some room to run?
3: They're in, still.
4: Okay.
1: Pleated pants. Will they ever come back?
3: No.
4: What's the best advice you ever gave somebody that plays way too slow?
3: Uh, Pick up your ball and run to the next hole.
2: I like that. here we go. Tom Kite or Ben Crenshaw?
3: Kite. Kite.
2: I mean, I
1: want to ask a follow-up question to these Why this Kite? This is fantastic.
3: Uh, still playing. That's the only thing I went by. He's still playing. They're both great guys, but I went with who's still playing.
1: All right, of all the stupid uh, rule changes this year, which one drives you absolutely batty?
3: Uh I would say the dropping the ball from the knee. That's
1: common, isn't God, it? that is common amongst the fellas. What is it? Why? Why is that driving everyone nuts? Let's, let's have the open forum here.
4: It just, it's a very unathletic move. I mean, you look like you're squatting, like you're taking a dump in the woods. I, I haven't had
1: so, so, I mean, this is what I'm doing. No, I, you're I,
4: holding the ball too high. You're at your waist. Knee. You, you knee cap. to bend. You have to do this. You have to do that move. Well, mine's over like that right. with your knees down. Like squatting. This. So you've got to yeah. bend your knees? That's right.
1: But when you bend it, doesn't it change like where you're at?
4: Yeah, it, the whole thing's...
2: You know, All right, Here It here doesn't
4: is. seem to be well thought out. Oh, I don't think so. I think Breck's right on.
2: Here we go, moving along with the rapid fire questions. Who will win the Dell Technologies match play?
3: I will go with Dustin Johnson.
2: Nice pick, that's why good. DJ? I
3: think, I think, well, he hits it a long way, even though it's not a bomber's course, he hits it a long way, and if he's putting well, he's, he's gonna be hard to beat in match play.
2: Well, we have had three previous bombers on this venue win, so I'm guessing that that's not a bad pick for, uh,
3: yeah, it's a pretty for, safe pick, but the, I. You
2: uh, know. What are the, who are you going with? You know what? I'm, I gotta take my good pal, Mr. Terry Goodland. I mean, Terry's been playing well. You know, he came over all the, today, all sweaty on the range, he acting did. like he's working hard. Yeah. He complimented you on the eye patch. He did. So he did. a lot of good things. There's some chemistry going amongst us. It'd be right nice.
1: Now. Nice to see him win. You know. It'd be he's really He's got nice. a lot of good props going after um, after what he
2: did out at the Phoenix yeah. Open. You know, Exactly. So you have to learn from one instructor other than Chuck Cook. Who are you going to take a lesson from?
3: One instructor other than Chuck Cook, I would probably go with Mac O'Grady. Mac O'Grady. Why Mac? I think Mac really was kind of like the godfather of a lot of modern day instruction. He he was ahead of his time. He never really put pen to paper to expose it to everybody. He had kind of a, it was an eccentric guy, but. Uh, i've spent a lot of time around mac and talked to him hours upon hours on the phone and so i i i would send somebody to him now that depends on who it is if it was somebody that needed to go get a little confidence then i would send him straight to butch Harmon and have him walk in and see the, all the all the uh holy grail of of all the majors that are on the wall and 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 have butch say you can do it you can do it
4: who oh, i did why did Jim Hardy ruin so many people's careers with this hokum about different planes?
3: I'm going to defer to Wardo on that one. So, in my opinion, the the one and two
2: plane stuff is just noise, right? It's no different than the stack and tilt. Um, in my opinion, at the top of the backswing, the left glove hand should be above the right heel. I think that uh, Chuck Cook would agree with that. I think that Brex Bradley would agree yeah, with that. Yeah,
3: well, and I deferred to him. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to ever bash another teacher. I think that. Uh, a lot of the stuff in Hardy's book and what Hardy's talked about, and I know some teachers that have worked under Jim and Chris O'Connell's, you know, is, is very successful with Matt Kucher. That there are components that go together, there are certain matchups, and, and if you're a two planer and you have a high arm, or you're a one planer and you're, and you're on the shoulder plane, or you're somewhere in between. There's just things you have to do. There's things you have to do in your setup, and there's things you have to do uh, with the pivot and the arm swing and everything else. So uh, I don't think, I don't, I, I'm not going to knock it at all.
4: Man, I wasn't trying to bait you into knocking anybody. It, I yeah. should have known better than to ask a funny question. You guys had a hard, or, well, Wardo
2: <laughs> had a hard opinion on
4: that. He did. I bought six pages of that book was, and then to put it down. You were getting riled up,
3: Wardo. No, I
2: just think it's about set it on plane and, and rotate. So. Yeah,
3: I mean, but it's. So, so
2: dive in. You had a you had a unique Mac story. So speaking of Mac, tell us a funny story as we, as we wind this bad boy down.
3: Okay. Well, I brought in Mac to do a golf school about uh, almost nine, ten years. Uh, yeah, nine years ago, and and uh, he came in and spent five days, and and he had no car. He said there wasn't a car available at the airport in Austin anywhere, so he had no rental car, and he stayed at this hotel, this Best Western in the middle of uh, I thirty five. It's kind of in a sketchy area. And, and so my whole role was he he did it at the academy here and I was the host and and then I took him to dinner and took him back to the hotel anyway long story short I got home at one thirty every night morning my wife was so glad the week was over uh, we ate the same steak restaurant 5 nights in a row you Where'd got to go it, it was this, it was this Texas Land and Cattle right across from the Best oh, yeah. Western and uh and he ate the same meal, every, every meal. Mac, Mac is, you know, he's got a great heart. He's, he's an eccentric guy. But right when I was thought we were wrapping it up, every night, we got back to the uh, Best Western, and he's like, hold on, I want you to hear something. We listened to opera music for, <laughs> for an hour before I actually drove home. Right. And, and, you know, and trust me, I, it, you have to know Mac, uh, but he had this famous opera friend, uh, lady, that he wanted me to hear. And... And I'm going to do what Mac says. He's he's uh, in town, and I'm hosting him. So, uh, But also, I had him out on the range the first day. He was demonstrating. And, and you, as you can see, you're looking out. We have number one over there and number 10 over there. And, and all of a sudden, he's demonstrating to the group. He's he's hit pounding balls across the street, uh, the trees that way and that way. He's hitting <laughs> literally hitting balls into one in 10 sideways, demonstrating. And I finally had to say, hey, Mac, those are two holes over there. And I got divots flying every direction. So he, he, he really doesn't care. And you can see my shank board there. He wrote on that 10 years ago with a permanent marker. Still hadn't come off. That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh my God. So, so, so Sully. What's that shape?
2: So on the way down here, it's funny you say that about the opera music. On the yep. way down here, you know, we drive down to do this big, long road trip because Sully's got an eye patch on. Guess what kind of music he turns on? Opera. Opera. We enjoyed ourselves some opera. We even stopped at Whataburger. Welcome to Texas. It was not opera. It was Adam Lambert. And that's totally different. <laughs> so different. So different. <laughs> well, thanks, Brett. It's been an absolute pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time. I know we probably overextended our welcome. And if your next couple lessons are flipping it or maybe shanking it, it's because of the crowd that you're with today. Yeah, no,
1: listen. We brought you down. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of firing these two. You seem like a better listener. And you wouldn't put me into some box. These guys try to box me, and they label me. And I think you'd, you'd probably ask some really neat questions and open me up a little bit. You well. Could, then you then might could, have to come down. I,
2: I sense you know, some chemistry. You might well, have to come he, down to he, the golf school that we're going to have in mid-October. Yeah, so.
3: come on down. Yeah, I think we're, it's time. Ordo right? and I are going to kill it. So, so yeah. we're going to join forces
2: and have a pretty pretty stellar golf school. We're going to teach some people how to, you know, to You're in on that? Oh, yeah, we're in on that.
4: It's nice. Maybe Your I more...
2: should be functioning by then.
1: I'm too. ready. No, I'm telling you. I'm. I'm. I, hey, I'm. I'm a 10 handicap now. I'm going to get down to like a maybe an eight. Nice. You know, I've got. I got big goals. Yeah. All right. I'm going to win a lot of five dollar Nassau's this year, Breck, and it's because you allowed me in the Barton Creek Golf Academy. We've had a great show with with Breck Spradley. It feels like home here in Austin, Texas. Hey, we've had a great time, and of course, as always, um, this uh, golf program. The Golf Underground is brought to you by Mariner Wells. So come on back next week. we got more entertainment on the Golf Underground on ESPN Radio.
4: I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat
5: my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Yeah. <sighs>